Welcome to the Austin Business Podcast. I'm your host, Gus Cavanaugh. Joined today, thank you very much, Bob Smith, Principal, Bridgepoint Consulting. Bob, so again, thanks for coming on. First question, as always, what what do you do? And that said with the office space, office space voice that I cannot do. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you very much for including me. Um, I appreciate the opportunity. Bridgepoint Consulting. So, We've been around for almost 20 years. We are a regional management consulting firm um, that focuses on helping the CFOs, the, the, the CIOs, the chief information officers, CEOs, um, with with a variety of the challenges they face as they try to build and, and grow their businesses. Uh, so we can help them with finance and accounting, uh, we can help them with technology. We have a technology consulting practice uh, with with risk and compliance issues for our public companies. We help them around Sarbanes Oxley and internal audit projects, uh, IT security issues, um, and those kinds of things. So that's really the kind of the gamut of the, the vicissitudes of the modern business life. Well. Except product, okay. So we don't. If, if if you got, if you need help developing your product, or you need help selling or marketing your product, those are outside our purview. So we're sort okay. of the back office guys. We we help with with the uh, with the infrastructure. You know, our goal. Gotcha. We work, and how we got started 19 years ago was working with technology startup companies interesting you know this was back in the in the uh, uh, dot-com bubble days and even a little bit before the dot-com bubbles um, you, you know you had three guys that left IBM and had a great idea for a new product and mm-hmm. Austin Austin Ventures would write them a check for a couple of million bucks um, and they had needs uh, around helping manage their finances and accounting but these needs didn't require somebody 40 or 50 hours a week. Right. They needed somebody four hours a week. Yeah. And so that's how we got started was we developed a team of people, and we could have that you know, fractional CFO that could go in and spend a half a day or a day a week with those guys, get them the information they needed, to provide back to their investors who were very sophisticated professionals, you know, the Austin Ventures people, right. the the NEA VCs, the, these kinds of guys. Um, so they needed that kind of help, right. but their activity levels were not where they needed that full-time by any means. Uh, we could also help, take, help them take care of the day-to-day accounting, the processing payroll, the, the, the paying any vendors onboarding new employees, um, those kinds of things. So, you know, our, our mission <coughs> was to help these companies uh, build sufficient foundations so that when their sales start ramping, they get to the hockey stick, the <laughs> elbow of the hockey yeah. stick, um, that they had the infrastructure there uh, to support that growth and yeah. that they wouldn't kind of come crumbling down because they didn't have the right process. Right. They, they, oh, we haven't actually made payroll in three weeks and we didn't realize, or yeah. maybe three months or something. That makes sense. So then who's a typical client today? Is it still tech startups? Well, so we, we, we focus on a lot of the technology startups, but 
over the 19 years, we've we've certainly grown and expanded the business. Today, we've got 140 people on our team, um, and we work still with the early startups. You know, classic classic uh, client of ours, Brett Hurt. Mm-hmm. When he was starting Bizarre Voice, he incubated that in our old offices. Oh, really? Okay. Wow. He's now left Bizarre Voice. He's got his new deal, Data.World. He brings us in to handle his finance and accounting issues um, at Data.World. But yet we're still working with Bizarre Voice as nice. well. So, you know, we're working with big companies like Bizarre Voice, Epicor, Hanger Orthopedics. Uh, we've worked over the past with Dell and Cisco um, and, and the large companies as well. So it, it's across the it's across the board, you know. We're not going into Dell yeah. and being their interim CFO. <laughs> so what, what we do for the bigger companies is typically a specific project or they've got a key accounting person that's going out on maternity leave mm-hmm. and they need somebody to fill that slot for three or four months oh, interesting. while that individual's out on maternity leave. Or the controller walks in after lunch and here's an envelope on her desk, you know, that her one of her key SEC reporting people is resigning. Ah. Uh. And she really, you know, knows it's going to take three or four months to hire that new person. Right. Bridge Plus time can parachute to, yeah. somebody in there. Gotcha. And, and part of the reason we named ourselves Bridgepoint Consulting is we help bridge our mm-hmm. clients. Mm-hmm. We help bridge, in this example, Dell from when they don't have an SEC reporting person to when they get that person hired, or we bridge, you know, Bizarre Voice while their person's out on maternity leave, um, or we bridge a client from pre-revenue to $10 million in revenue. That's so, a pretty nice bridge. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. I'd love for some help on that bridge. Well, tell me, so, take me back to the beginning. What was it like 19, you said 19 years ago, 20 yep. years ago? What, where, what were you doing? How'd you decide? Did you start this? What was, who were you with? So... 10 seconds on, on my history. So I graduated from college, went to work for Pricewaterhouse, was an auditor. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1988, I made partner with Pricewaterhouse. I was in Dallas at the time, had been born and raised in Dallas, and and my wife and I were perfectly happy to be in Dallas the rest of our lives. And the, the partner at Pricewaterhouse says, Bob, I got, I got good news and I got great news. Uh-oh. The good news is, we're making you a partner. Yeah. The great news is we're moving you to Austin. <laughs> so this was 1988. Okay. Uh, my wife cried all day. Oh, wow. Because she didn't want to leave Dallas. Right. You know, now you couldn't get her out of Austin with dynamite. <laughs> um, but there was, there was a year or two there where you know, she wasn't convinced quite yet. But so I came down to Pricewaterhouse was a partner and, and, and in nineteen eighty eight in Austin, Dell was just going public. Interesting. You know, the the other technology companies in town were IBM, Texas Instruments, 3M had just built their campus out here on twenty two twenty two. You had back then it was Motorola Semiconductor. Mm. You had um, AMD had some operations here. Cimatech was just forming, MCC had been formed 
in 84, I believe. So the technology industry in Austin was just starting to, 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 to you know, take off a little bit. It wasn't blossoming yet. It was just coming out of the ground. Um, and uh, so I worked with a bunch of the, the tech national instruments. I took National Instruments Public, IntelliQuest, which has come and gone now. Um, worked with a number of Ross Technologies, helped take them public. Um, so it was just starting off. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then Pricewaterhouse came to me and said, hey, Bob, we have this great opportunity for you back in Dallas. Uh-oh. And I go home and talk to my wife about, remember, crying and yeah, yeah. we were sad to leave right, Dallas. Right, right. And, and she came back to me and after thinking about it and said, you know, Bob, you need to do what you need to do. Uh-oh. But the boys and I are going to be living in Austin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So fast forward, I ended up leaving Pricewaterhouse, um, went to work. Uh, I spent the next five years working for three different startups. Interesting. You know, one was the classic dot-com okay. where we raised 20, 23 million bucks and generated $5,000 in revenue. Almost hockey stick. That, that, was, <laughs> you know, that, wasn't, that wasn't a really successful one. Um, but after... Yeah, and then the the it turned into the technology nuclear winter mm-hmm. when the dot com bubble imploded, uh, and I started thinking about that service business again. And mm-hmm. said, you know, there's some things about that service business that I really really liked. Mm-hmm. Working with clients, helping clients solve problems, being able to work with a variety of clients, um, selling, I love getting selling. paid monthly. <laughs> yeah. Spreading your, you know, your 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 personal, uh, some portfolio management. You know, not having relying on one company to pay your check. Um, and I ended up joining the guy that had started what is now Bridgepoint. A guy named Jerry Bula, great guy. Um, and and he and I uh, ended up buying the the business from the guy in California that owned it. Um, when I started, I think we had six or eight people on our team. As I mentioned, now we've got 140. Um, so it's been a it's been a great great run. Yeah. What were would you can you do you recall annual revenues when you started? Oh. Um, if you give us a rough. I think the first year we were. It was a nine month period. I think our revenues were about three hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. And I assume today you're doing. I mean, we could probably use a back of the napkin based on the number of employees, but so well north of twenty. Yeah. So that makes sense. You know, it's it's yeah from six or eight people to pretty good growth to one hundred and forty people. So if you could go back to when you started. We started this. Uh, no, having a tremendous amount of experience, right? Being a former price uh, partner at, at I want to say PwC, but <laughs> that's not right now. Yes. Um, but if you could go back and tell yourself one or two things, knowing what you know now, what would you what would you do? What would you say? You, you know, I think. Um, and some of this I knew, but you, you know, 
you knew it was important, but you didn't know it was critically important. Mm-hmm. And, and I love what, these kinds of things. You know, and what what I have learned over the years in our business, it's all about the people. Hmm. You know, um, if if I didn't have 140 great great people at Bridgepoint, you know, we wouldn't be doing diddly mm-hmm. and and. You know, I've got five incredible partners that work with me, um, and you know, it's it's finding the right people and the right you know. There's it's like a diamond. The right people have so many facets. You know, it's it's are they smart? Do they understand if it's whether it's accounting or or technology or audit? Uh, you know, are, are they very knowledgeable about that part of, of you know what we're trying to, to have them do and how they're trying to help clients? Do they have the right attitude mm-hmm. of being problem solvers and you know getting really jazzed about walking into a client that that is in disarray and you know not being overwhelmed. And, and really get jazzed about helping that client work through those problems and those issues and resolve them um, and, and help that client you know, get turned around and be successful. How do you uh, find these, these people? You, you know... Um, or do you train them? Is it a combination of, the, of both? It's mostly finding the right people. Okay. Certainly there's an element of, of training to it. Um, you know, when we were coming you know, coming out of the recession mm-hmm. in 2010, there were a lot of people looking for jobs. And, you know, <laughs> I recall. <laughs> people, people were easier to find. Uh. Uh, back coming out of, of the, the dot-com bust. Mm. People were pretty easy to find because there was a lot of people that didn't have jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, the last several years in Austin, the economy has been blowing and going, um, and it has gotten harder and harder to find good people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we've, we've got two people that sit right across the hall um, that exclusively are recruiting for our internal consulting positions. Um, And, you know, I've been in town now close to 30 years uh, and have a pretty good network of finance and accounting people, and I'm constantly working my network. And all our partners, the same thing, you know, all our senior leadership team, um, you know, are, are out getting the word out that gotcha. Bridgepoint is, is constantly hiring. Um, do you know anybody, you know, yeah. is your daughter moving back to Austin after, you know, spending four years at Ernst & Young in, in uh, Denver or something? Gotcha. Um, so, it, you know, it's sort of every conversation I have, somewhere during the course of that conversation, you know, we're wanting you know to hire anybody? people. Right. Uh, one of our really, really great young IT people is the daughter of one of the CFOs in town I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was having lunch with this guy 18 months ago or something. 
and talking about how we were needing, and he goes, my daughter's looking for a job, uh-huh. you know? And, 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 you know, your question about training. She was technology savvy, but she was not a trained computer science person. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was one of the first people that we sort of took a risk of saying, can we take a very smart technology savvy person mm-hmm. and train them um, and she's now one of the studs in our NetSuite practice oh nice um, and and so it's a combination and, and we're seeing that more on the IT side where because those people are so hard to find right let's take some chances of people that, that you know on paper don't look like they would be great NetSuite consultants bring them in you know, do a lot of internal training, um, and and knock on wood, it's working well. That makes so a lot far. of sense, and especially I'd love to delve into that because, especially in the IT world, where things the technology is changing so fast. Anyway, even if you have experience in one thing, you're going to have to teach yourself the next thing anyway. Um, but what I wanted to ask you was, if you got an email right now from one of your recruiters saying, I, "Here's the best, here's this perfect resume for." What what would be what? Who's that person who's going to come in the door? You you're you know the the biggest pain point right now you'd like to see solved with a with a new hire. So the the the, the one of the number one type of people we're looking for in, in, in our risk and compliance practice. Okay, that's Sarbanes Oxley internal audit, um, uh, IT security. We need an IT auditor. We really need a couple of IT auditors. So these are people that understand auditing, but they understand how to do it around systems. Um, Those people are very, very hard to find. Everybody's looking for them. Mm. Um, That is probably our number one role we need right now because in, in the today's world, if you're out doing audit work at a client, you've got to have computer savvy mm-hmm. people. You know when you're doing IT security project where we're helping our, assess our clients' IT security and make recommendations to them about what they need to, need to do to strengthen that security. You need these some of these IT audit folks, and that is probably our number one. Priority okay. position right now. Well, yeah. So if anybody out there, <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm. At, I'm asking. You know, yes. I want, hey, call Bridgepoint Consulting. Well, <laughs> let's uh, let's talk a little bit. I mean, I know there's. I'd love to ask a little bit about the, the technology practice. So what, um, you know, what types of maybe functional areas are you working in? Who's the? What's a typical project? And maybe what's one? Or maybe I should make it more general. What What would you like to be doing? You know, is there a growth area you see? Hey, I wish we could do more of X. You know, what would that be? Maybe what's, is that the most fun? Is that the most lucrative? Some combination of that? Sure. Well, so one of our <clears throat> absolute fastest growing areas is our NetSuite practice. Um, you know, companies moving their applications to the cloud. NetSuite was, was sort of the first ERP system developed specifically for the cloud okay it was so it, it was all architect and, and designed to be a, a cloud-based system mm-hmm. you've got some other systems like great planes and oracle and sap and some of those that that have tried to take a 
a uh, a non-cloud system mm -hmm. and put it in the cloud and tried to do some re-architecting. Um, but you just got all those legacy, you know, it's, it's like taking a, a, a an engine for your uh, your GMC pickup um, and trying to put it in a Tesla, mm -hmm. you know? Right. There's just so many differences. Um, so NetSuite is, is just hotter than a pistol right now. Uh, what we see in Austin are a lot of clients that have been on QuickBooks. Interesting. They've outgrown QuickBooks. You know, we've had clients, particularly software companies, that are doing 30, 40, 50 million dollars on QuickBooks. Wow. And they're just outgrowing it. And one of the logical alternatives for them um, is to go to NetSuite, you know. Um, and so, you know, we've, we've done that for WP Engine, Bizarre Voice, Ticket City. We put Ticket City on NetSuite. Uh, Cobb Tuning, which is a company here in town that does, um, takes your little Subaru right. and lets you hop it up <laughs> to where it's, you know, putting out 400 horsepower wow. from this little, and, and so it's both software and equipment. They change right. out manifolds and exhaust systems and various, so, so they're, they're, they're both a software and a, a, a distributor of equipment. Wow. Uh, so we've converted those guys to NetSuite. Um, and we, we just see that part of the market continuing to uh, to explode wow. um, because there are so many companies. We've even had some, we did a big client out in California, Magento, mm -hmm. which was a, a subsidiary of PayPal. Oh, yeah. And they spun out and went public, and PayPal was on Oracle or something, Oracle or SAP. And Magento didn't need all that, so we were brought in to help um, implement the NetSuite application. Wow. Magento's a $900 million company. Yeah, they're, they're like pretty that. big. Yeah. They're okay, yeah. they're okay. Yeah. So how, yeah. how do you find these clients, or how do these clients find you? Well, so we're, we're the, the gentleman in the office right next to me leads our business development efforts, okay. and so he's out, and, and he's got a great guy that works with him, and all the partners are out beating the streets. Magento, NetSuite brought us in. So NetSuite had talked to, you know, it was in the process of selling a license, mm. and they frankly realized their internal professional services team was not up to the task really? of implementing NetSuite for this big, sophisticated, multinational company. So NetSuite brought us in. So in some cases, NetSuite brings us in. Um, you know, in other cases, we're out beating the streets and... And, and you know identify clients that need to go to NetSuite uh, or and, and are interested in making a change. Um, you know, we've got some some private equity groups that we've done this for one of their companies, and they've been so pleased with how successful the implementation was that they're taking us around to some of their other portfolio uh -huh. companies because you know they know. 
they've seen screwed up implementations and they've seen good ones. Yeah. And they want more good ones. I, I, and hopefully, you know, that's what we're there to do. That seems uh, really smart. Now, this may be a bit of a hypothetical, so or well, not a little bit, it's a hypothetical, so feel free to pass. But if you were to start over now, we you know, we raise the office, it's just you. You're gonna do. You're gonna. I mean, and maybe you, you you don't do this at all. But how would you start a consulting practice right now, knowing everything you know, but not having the resources of, let's say, the people or more than a couple months of, of you know runway to get started? Well, what we have found is that the majority of it starts with relationships, okay? And, and this is where we have been fortunate. Um, uh, Jerry Bula, who originally started the firm, had some great relationships around town. From my years of, of being at Price Waterhouse in Austin and working with a lot of the technology companies and a lot of the financing, you know, executives around town, I had some good relationships on my part. So to, when you're starting, and I, and I, you know, with some regularity have people come to me and ask, they're starting a business, okay, Bob, how'd you start? And, you know, your first sales, the easiest place to go find those first sales are people that already know you. Mm -hmm. And that you have, you know, hopefully as part of knowing you, you have credibility with them and you, you know if you can look them in the eye and say trust me I'm gonna solve this problem for you that you've right. got the credibility in their eyes that they believe you right you know even though you may not have done it before <laughs> you've only done it once or twice before so you know to me the the key to starting, and, and it's not just consulting within a lot of businesses, right? You know, is it selling to your mom or your college roommate or, you know, somebody you used to work for or somebody that used to work for you? Uh, you know, where you already have relationships and credibility because it is just damn hard to walk into somebody where they don't know you and they don't know you from Adam. Right. And, you know, trust me. <laughs> and, you know, they're kind of going, why? Right. Uh, so, to me, one of the crucial things is, is you got to start working that network um, and finding people in your network that have problems that you can solve. I love it. You know. I love it. Well, that's a great answer, you know, and, and to a certain extent, it is funny how there's so many questions now about you know, how do I get my first client or how do I start a business? Whereas, you know, if someone were, let's say, let's pick something like basketball. Well, you're either really good at basketball around age 12 or 13 and people say, wow, you're really good, you should keep playing and it's obvious, or you're not and you probably start to fall off and maybe you just go shoot hoops, but you don't consider it as something you pursue seriously. But in business, it's like, even though I have never done it and I don't really have any interest per se or talent, I feel, still think I can do it. So perhaps maybe that's our own kind of hypocrisy, I don't know. Um, but back to you, Bob, <laughs> back to you. Let's, maybe let's flash forward or let's move to the future. So what's a long-term time horizon maybe for you personally? And then where would you like to see, whatever that is, where, you know, where would you like to see yourself when you hit that horizon? Well, you know, 
you folks listening can't see this, but I have a head full of gray hair, um, which I'm ecstatic that I have hair. I was going to say, you're yeah, doing great. You if know, I, I never, my dad used to say, I don't care what color it is. I just want some. Right. And I never could relate to that. Now I can relate. Especially to that. here in Texas. I mean, your head's going to sun. My, I'm going to be, uh, I'm struggling. So, um, you know, um, so a, a long-term time horizon for me is, you know, five, seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, you know, what, what, what we're endeavoring to do and, and, you know, frankly, what we've been doing, this is, you know, I've, I've been thinking about this for a while. I would like to see Bridgepoint continue growing, um, you know, I've got five partners that didn't start out as partners. They've 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 started out, you know, uh, working with clients and that kind of thing, and and been able to uh, to, to grow and develop into partners and, and all be great partners. Uh, you know, what I want to see is us continuing to to grow the firm. You know, we we've done a good job of of continue, of getting all of of those. Um, guys and, and one girl uh, well ingrained in the practice and well ingrained in the business community and well ingrained in their networks um, so you know we're gonna gonna continue to grow and we're we've, we've got another group of of uh, leadership members that we are grooming to become partners um, you know over the next two three four years so you know we want to keep growing we, we've got small offices in Dallas and Houston we'd like to see those be bigger big full service mm-hmm. offices you know if, if you think about the relative size of the business communities if we've got 130 people in Austin yeah we ought to have three or four hundred people <laughs> in Dallas and three or four hundred people in Houston. Right. Um, but uh, so you know, continue to to grow those offices. Uh, back to one of the earlier things we talked about, people. Mm-hmm. You know, we've tried hiring several several people in Houston that we thought were the right people, and it, it's been a struggle. And you know, six, nine, twelve. 36 months later, you know, right. we concluded they were not necessarily yeah, the right people. And were these uh, consultants for this to lead the practice and yeah, lead so the these business? Yeah, so these were to be leaders of the practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, um, so we'd like to, to have those offices up, mm-hmm. you know, churn in. Right now they're both limited offices in that they don't, offer the full range of services that we offer. They're sort of targeted on some specific things as a way okay. of getting our foothold in that town and then expanding from there. Gotcha. Well, what would it what would it take to, to get there? I mean, I understand that there's kind of a, a, a people component. How about, maybe I'll rephrase. If I could give you a magic wand and you could wave it, you know, where would you wave it? What would happen? Well, um... You know, I'd like to clone my partners, mm. you know, okay. and move several of them to uh, to Dallas and to Houston. Um, but but you know what? But even with that said, 
you know, then you walk into a, a Houston where you don't have a network. Right. So I'd like to find somebody that looks like one of, you know, one of the, the six of us that's grown up in Houston, you know, has the kind of network in Houston that you need. Um, you know, part of our part of our challenge is all right. We're, we're most of us are accountants by training. Mm-hmm. Our IT guy started out as an accountant and then moved into IT consulting, and so gotcha. he's an IT guy. But you know, accountants and IT people are typically not your best salespeople. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you say so. But we're looking for that purple squirrel where, you know, you're a, you're a finance or accounting person, um, but you love the business development aspects. You love the getting out. I mean, you know. Well, tell me more about that because I think you mentioned earlier that was something you enjoyed. You know, maybe walk me through what you like or what the process is. How how, how do you do it? What's the, the Bob's well, special sauce here? You know, so how, so how Bob, there's there's an infinite number of ways to be successful. Um, how I've approached it throughout my career um, is, you, you know, you, you, you build a network um, and, and, you know, it's, it, you focus I build the network because they're people I like. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, you know, I like them. I enjoy being with them. I enjoy hearing about their business and their families and and what challenges are they having, and is there anything I can do to help them? Mm-hmm. You, you know, and, and and I think you've got to be genuine. Because we've all had people that, you know, cozied up to us. And we thought they liked us. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you know, I'll never forget. So I was the managing partner of Pricewaterhouse when I left Pricewaterhouse. And I'm starting to go look for my next job. Um, because when I left there, I didn't have a job. Mm-hmm. And, you know... I remember the people that helped. And I remember the people that all of a sudden I thought were my friends that didn't have time for me anymore. Right. You, you know? And, and you know, uh, in some cases it was a little bit like a, you know, a slap in the face with a cold wash rag. Yeah. Uh, going, wait a minute. Were you just sort of hanging with me because you thought there was something I could do to help you? Right. Um, so the way I've done it, you know, is, is you you develop that group of business contacts slash friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you, you, you help them however you can if it means, all right, they just sold their last business and they're now looking for a job or, you know, their kids are looking for a job or, you know, however, you know, they've got a, they've got an issue and I can't help them and Bridgepoint can't specifically help them. Hey, you need to go talk to 
Joe Schmo, the attorney, right. or you need to go talk to a HR person, or you need to talk to an insurance broker or a real estate person, you know, and and oftentimes you help people not by doing it yourself, but hey, can I connect you, a banker? Mm-hmm. You should go talk to Joe Holt over at Chase, um, or Tim Klitsch over at Comerica, or you know, um, connecting them and introducing them to people that can hopefully help them. Um, and, and I think it's showing that genuine interest in their well-being and, you know. And, and then when I go see them and we're talking about challenges they're having in their business and they're having some accounting and finance or technology right. or whatever, um, you know, it's been, it's, it's been then you're in position. pretty easy to... Yeah. To then hopefully be able to help them, right. um, and or is it, you know introducing them to investors, or whatever it might be. Gotcha. So so that that's how I've done it. There's lots of other ways to be successful selling, but that's that's sort of. So if way. let's say hypothetically again you you get move you move yourself to Houston or Dallas, and maybe you don't have the Rolodex quite as thick over there. How do you get started? What's what's step one? Are you well again? In my world, you know, it would be trying to build that network. It would mm-hmm. be going to, um, there, there's various groups where mm-hmm. us bean counters hang out. <laughs> the Financial Executives International, the, the Association for Corporate Growth, the, the you know, various and sundry um, organizations and that provides a logical gotcha. opportunity to meet. But then once you meet somebody, you got to follow up. Right. Hey, let's get together for a cup of coffee. I'd like to hear more about your business. I'd right. like to, you know, learn more about you and get to know you better. And, and as a part of that, you know, hopefully you're getting to know me better and you're getting to know my business a little bit. And is there some way... Where, where uh, we can work together. Yeah, I can help you. Or, I like or, that. You know, so that you know. But again, there's th- there are lots of other ways, and and that's what we're finding, and that's where you know uh, Vince and Tommy, our business development guys, are so great. Mm-hmm. We, we're we're to a point where we've got to go beyond Bob's network, right? And Vince's network, and Bill's network, and Manuel's network, and Michael's network, and Monica's network. We've got a, and, and we have a great marketing lady, Gina, who you met, mm-hmm. uh, who's done a, a fantastic job of overseeing all of our marketing efforts. And so it's it's fascinating. Um, three years ago, we didn't get any, or, or next to no inbound marketing calls. No inbound leads. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, it was all, we were having to go out and find people and all that stuff. And now, um, you know, I think in the last couple of years we've generated a million and a half or two million bucks wow. worth of business on pure inbound leads. People we did not know that have gone out and found us. We've just started a nice project over in Houston with a private equity owned company that 
found us, you know, on the internet. Excellent. Googling accounting help or something, and and well, know, I was going to ask, do you, do you know how they found you, right? Yeah, so they came. They came through a web lead. Okay. Um, uh, and and then we do hopefully a good job of, of following up, but we're to the point where yeah, we to, to continue to grow. Right. We've got to go beyond just the people that Bob and Michael and Manuel and Monica and Bill and Vince know. So right. we've got to go, um, you know, have people. That, that don't know us and that's where we're getting we're doing a, a project in Calgary wow um, you know we're doing a project down in, in uh, Florida southern South Florida um, a project in Baltimore um, you know we've done uh, projects in, in uh, North Carolina gotcha. um, in Alabama uh, some of them are through people we've known here that have a portfolio yeah. company or have moved or whatever. Gotcha. But some of those are well, are inbound web leads. And the re- one of the reasons I ask is a recent interview, um, and I'm going to butcher her name a little bit, but I believe it's Franny Cogsall, uh, is a Facebook consultant who, or Facebook ads consultant. So her basic premise is she takes clients through, hey, my process is I ask you, Bob, you know, generate what are the top five things that st- you know tech startups get wrong when they transition from QuickBooks to NetSuite, or maybe it's the te- you know the top five th- reasons you'll know that you need to transition off of QuickBooks. Create a, a you know document, a video, something for free you can give away. Run, some, create some ads, run traffic to it. Is that something you know to get us to get these signups? You don't sell right away; you just educate and then you go through. Is that something you all are yeah, looking so, at? So, so we've got uh, you know we're and you're about to get me lying here. <laughs> Google AdWords, Gina could could tell you, but but um, but we are are developing marketing collateral around case studies. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go to our website, you'll see video um, clips from people like Brett Hurt, um, um, April Downing, and a WP Engine. Um, uh, Joe Ross from CSID, um, where they, uh, you know, we have worked with those folks, you know, for a long time, and you know they're comfortable, you know, supporting us by putting a video. We've got case studies around some of the great things we've done for our clients, and you know that they have have all. You know, participated in developing that stuff. So, because again, if somebody doesn't know you, they're looking for why should I trust these people? Right. Case studies or video testimonies are great things to have, but they got to find you first, and that's where okay, how do we? You know, is it is it Facebook? Is it LinkedIn? Is it you know Google AdWords? Is it you know what what are the various mechanisms for making yourself available to those people and making it easy for them to find you mm-hmm. um, um, and that kind of thing and and you know as as you well know that's an ongoing challenge to to, to keep uh, iterating yeah. uh, on that kind of thing. 
Along so. the lines of the question I asked earlier about a resume hitting your inbox, if there were a client who'd call now to say, hey, I really want to do business with you, maybe it's in Houston, maybe it's in Dallas, but maybe it's somewhere else, who would top of mind, who would that be? Who would be that person you'd want to be on the end of the phone? Who would I like to have call me? Yeah. You know, um, the CFO of an exciting company. Uh, you know, our... More often than not, we're selling to to the CFO or to the corporate controller. Uh, depending upon, for bigger companies, you know, there's a there's a CIA chief information officer or VP of IT or something on the, on some of the IT stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, for the smaller companies, um, it's often the CEO. You know, for an early stage startup company he doesn't have a CFO he that's what he needs and right. so you know it's Bob Fabio picking up the phone and calling because um, I worked with Bob and four of his other companies um, and so it's it's uh, you know depending upon the nature of the project you know we, we've got we've you know being a well diversified company we we have the uh The undertaker side of our business. <laughs> um, my partner Bill Patterson, and it's our turnaround and dispute resolution. Okay, so, I love. I like. I like the undertaker. You know, when when somebody is in financial trouble, they're in bankruptcy. Um, we've had a number of cases where there's been you, you have two partners that own a business. And they discover they hate each other uh, and can't be in the room together. And, you know, something has to happen to the business. We've been brought in in a number of those cases to go facilitate a sale of a business or facilitate one partner behind the other partner out. But we've got to practice. Uh, and, and for him, some of his best calls are an attorney mm-hmm. or the banker that's overseeing uh, that's on the special assets side of the bank where gotcha. they've got a troubled credit and they say, we need you to go in. You know, right. We need that somebody makes to either represent us or you we you know, we want management to hire you because, that's, you know. That's such a profound insight because I think too often, I know I forget, who would benefit from my success more than me? And potentially this uh, makes sense. You help the bankers trying to protect the, the loan so they'd love to bring you in to help to help this company. They, they can't get credible financial information from the company in some cases, and they just say, we need somebody to give us information we can believe so we can make an informed decision. Right. Um, you know, or, or uh, uh, you know, we need somebody to help represent us and negotiate on behalf of the bank with this company, particularly where you've got big bankruptcies, where you've got secured creditor committee, unsecured creditor committees, uh, and they often need a uh, somebody to go uh, do all the like, they're not really prepared to do all that, so they hire they hire folks like us. So, uh, so you know, in, in Bill's practice, the ideal call he gets is the bankruptcy lawyer <laughs> or the banker or in some cases, it's the PE firm that says, you know what, we've got an investment that's in the ditch right, right now, 
and we need somebody to come in there and get their arms around and stop the bleeding and help us put some kind of a plan together um, uh, as to how we can can potentially see this thing going forward. You know, if we put five million bucks into it, you know, we stop the bleeding, we put five million bucks into it, can this thing get back on the right track or we put five million in, we'll get 50 million out. You know, we put a hundred in in total, but at least we're getting more than if we don't put anything in right now, it all evaporates. Um, yeah, so I mean, that, that call is, is from different people depending upon which part of our practice, you know, if it's our risk practice, a great phone call can come from the audit committee chairman mm. of the, you know, on the board of directors saying we've got a, the company where I'm the audit committee chair needs help with Sarbanes-Oxley or needs help putting together. We, we've never had an internal audit department and we need somebody to come in and help us put that together. Um, so, you know, the, the calls are, are different people depending upon which of our services okay. we're talking about. Well, that makes sense. I, I appreciate such a thorough answer. Yeah. It's weird. I, I do want to be respectful of your time here, and maybe we'll turn to wrap up. What, you know, maybe to end, or one question before my, my final question, but was there two left. <laughs> Is there any moment that sticks out in your mind as maybe, let's say, Either like the worst or funniest. I don't know. Like of the last of you know the, of your almost twenty years here. Like you know that day, I was just ready to throw my chair out the window. Or I you know I don't know. I slipped on a banana peel and it was hilarious at the time. I didn't appreciate it. Does anything stick out in your mind like that? You know there have to have been. Um, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, no need I'm to. Not, uh, no need to force it. You just shared there, the. Yeah, there, there's, <laughs> there, there's certainly been a few difficult moments, but I'm not sure I want to air those. Okay. okay. Uh, you know, it, the great thing um, is having had the opportunity to work with people you really enjoy being with. And, you know, I, I had never thought, so here, okay, here's, here's sort of a, a, a realization that I had, particularly back in the early days, coming out of the, the, the dot-com bust, there were so many people looking for jobs, particularly around accounting and finance. Um, and, 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 and it was wonderful to be able to help people get back to work, you know? Mm -hmm. And it sort of sounded like I was in the Depression, but but in a lot of ways, Austin was in a Depression at that point. And, you know, people that that were uh, wanting to work and and not having the opportunity. Um, So one of the, the, the really gratifying things was helping people get back do things that they enjoyed doing, being paid, you know, being paid well. Um, uh, so that that was one of the things that I had not really ever baked into my thinking when mm-hmm. I started down this road. But, you know, when you've put 20 or 30 people back to work that, that you know. Otherwise wouldn't have. Yeah. Right. Sort of put a warm spot in your heart. 
so uh, so that was good. Well, you know, my final question is just if do you have any, you know, message or anything you want to kind of share with the world, you know, the floor would be yours, but that might be a pretty good ending statement there. Uh, you know. Well, you know, it, it has been a a incredible ride when when I the way I got into this thing was I was leaving my last software company. My wife and I, you know, sat down and had one of those two bottle of wine, soul searching conversations. Okay, Bob, you know, I was you know, forty five I guess or something at that point. What do you want to do? Mm. You know, when you grow up. There you um, go. And you know, came up with a series of criteria um, of you know what I wanted out of what I hoped was my last career move here, um, and, and I, I'm still dumbfounded that almost every one of those objectives has been met. But you know, it's it's been great to build a neat business to work with so many exciting companies. I mean, we've worked with companies like HomeAway, Retail Me Not, Q2 Banking, um, Bizarre Voice, you know, before Bizarre Voice was incorporated, we were working with it. Um, the, and, and to watch these companies grow and flourish um, has, has been fantastic, uh, fantastic fun great education of you know watching these watching these entrepreneurs and what are they doing what are they doing well and what are they doing less well <laughs> um, very and, diplomatic of you and and you know working with those kind of companies and then working with with you know the great god I don't know maybe a thousand people wow. at Bridgepoint over those 20 years um, and and watching you know Current group of partners that have, you know, grown and and developed and matured and and now basically don't need me around. They sometimes ask me, "Don't you have a vacation coming? Don't you have some place you need to be?" Um, and, and watching them has has been fantastic. And and then you know, watching Austin grow. Mm. You know, you used to be able to drive up and down 360 and not see cars. And, <laughs> and you know, um, so it's, it, you know, there's obviously been some pluses and some minuses on that growth. But you think about business-wise, uh, what we've, what I've seen in the 30 years I've been in Austin um, and, and working with so many incredible business leaders from the Joe Holtz to the Pete Winsteads to the, to the, uh, you know, Glenn Wests and the Gary Hoover who started Brookstock, what is now Barnes and Noble, to um, Brett Hertz and, you know, it's, it's uh, yeah, even Michael Dell, because Michael was our client at Pricewaterhouse when I got here and watching, wow. you know, the evolution. Michael was, I got, I don't know, 20, 22, 23 when I got to town and he had just taken Dell Public. Um, and, and watching that whole evolution. Um, so it's, you know, it's been an incredible ride. I've loved it. Well, I, I, I don't even want to try to dare summarize, but, you know, good, good clients, maybe better employees, or, and, uh, and you'll have a successful, at least a, a very um, 
now I can't even speak, but you won't look back and be disappointed. Well, nope. Bob, Bob, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. This was a really fun Absolutely. interview. Absolutely. My pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs>